Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with former NHL goalie Jonas Hiller. We talk about playing hockey in a different country, geek out over equipment, and talk about why he ended his career playing in Switzerland. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Jonas. So Jonas, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's uh, fun to get get another goalie on the podcast that uh, isn't located in North America. It, it's uh, fun to kind of get that international flair as we all have our uh, our different backgrounds, but they all seem to uh, follow the same path. Yeah, normally, yeah, seems like. Yeah, so you you know you grew up uh, in Switzerland. You know, how, how did you get started with hockey and discover this great game that's brought us all together? Yeah, I don't even know. Well, I guess it's it's through the, through the parents. I mean, I can't really remember, but even going through some uh, old uh, picture books of mine that, uh, yeah, I was already pretending to be a goalie at uh, two years old and I have uh, first, first picture skating uh, early age. Um, but yeah, I guess it was definitely my parents that kind of got me into, and I guess when I was five or six, uh, I mean, um, I, I went skating with them, but when I was five or six, they first time took me to, to an actual practice to, to the, the junior team where I pretty much spent all my time till I was 18 and then played junior in, in Harry's And, uh, yeah, I guess this is how it, how it started. And, you know, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, looking at old pictures and you, you were already in the net at a young age. And I remember seeing a cartoon many, many years ago. And it, the premise was goalies aren't born, they're hatched. And, you know, it's 
a lot of goalies I talk to, it's the same idea of, you know, I don't know. It just felt like where I belonged is between the, between the pipes. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, there's no, no real memories from, from really <laughs> that early, but uh, no, I know like later on, it was more the big equipment that kind of like, yeah, pushed me towards uh, at least giving a shot and, and trying it out. And uh, that's, that's what I did. And my parents at the same time made sure that I, I won't just sit in the net and uh, I'll, I'll also, yeah, I was for quite some time. I was actually playing forward some practices and then uh, being back in the net for, for the next practice and uh, I guess in the long run, definitely helped me to yeah, also a little better understand the, the other end of playing <laughs> hockey outside outside of the net. But uh, yeah, and then it was weird. I actually almost thought about uh, not being a goaltender to more for uh, become a, a regular player. And then they didn't have any goalie for the coming up season. And I go, like, yeah, I'll do another season. And then <laughs> we had a great year. And uh, yeah, out of that. And then I kind of never looked back. And, and how old were you when when that season happened? I think it was around 12. Okay, so kind of one of those pivotal age ranges where it's like you, you make that decision one way or the other and, and stick with it. And, and I was going to ask, you know, had you skated out at all? Because I've I found that a lot of the goalies I talked to that did skate out to kind of that mix when they, when they were younger um, – one, we're better skaters for it, but we, we just have a different um, view of the game than the goalies that were just straight goalie all the time. We, we understand the game a little bit better, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to, to really compare. But for me, you know, I definitely think uh, it, was, it was a good choice to also kind of really make sure that I actually want to become <laughs> a goalie to kind of see the good and the bad about it and see the, the pros and the cons on, on being a, a forward, a defenseman and uh yeah, no, I think the the whole skating, the whole understanding the game kind of, I mean, I don't know if you really already do at the age of 12, but at least you you think about it and then and you, you look at games differently, even if you watch them on TV, then you just mm-hmm. focus in on the goalie, but you focus in kind of on the, on the whole game. And, and yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely it's not a handicap to kind of have played uh, also, yeah, outside of that for quite a while. Now, in our emailing back and forth as, as we got this lined up, you know, you'd mentioned doing it uh, later in the day, your time, because you wanted to get the kids to bed. Um, are, are your kids playing hockey and are have they shown an interest for goaltending? Um, well, the funny thing is my, my, my little one, uh, he always wants to be in a net, but I think it's more because he's too tired to skate, but no, I mean, he's, he's still four years old. So I don't know if you can really count that, but, uh, yeah, it was funny. Just last week he went, uh, we're on, uh, winter, holi- uh, winter holidays. And then, uh, we went skating the one day and he was playing in that. And then my, my buddy was already chirping, chirping me and go like, yeah, your son uh, already looks like you in the net. Like he's <laughs> kicking, kicking his stuff out and kicking his legs out to, to stop pox and whatever. But I don't, I don't even know if I want him to become a goalie. But no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And then the older one, she's uh, my daughter. I mean, she, she likes going to skate, but uh, yeah, they not like uh, that much into hockey, but might also be for me. Uh, yeah. After, after I was done with hockey, it's, yeah, it didn't made it my priority. I'm not watching too many games on, on TV neither. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned not uh, watching much on TV because I even find myself, I don't watch that much hockey anymore. Um, and I don't know why. It's, I, I'd rather be at either 
watching it live or playing. I, I don't like watching it on TV that much anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, I was never really that one of those guys who like, I mean, even when I was playing North America that, uh, yeah, I mean, some of my roommates, they got to their room and the first thing they turn on is a hockey game. And like, well, I was playing hockey the whole day, so I don't want to yep. watch hockey also <laughs> in my time off. But uh, yeah, I was never the guy that, yeah, I wanted to see all the games. I mean, I still love watching highlights and stuff like yep. that. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, having spent so many evenings being at rink, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, either go to a game and watch it live or yeah, spend time uh, with my family or, or do some some other stuff. Yeah. Now, I, I do make one exception each year to that uh, really not watching hockey and TV because I live in Minnesota and our boys high school hockey state tournament is huge here. The games are on network TV. They fill the XL Energy Center where the wild play to capacity. And that's starting this coming weekend. And yeah, I'll, I'll have the TV on watching those kids because the, the storylines are great. And, you know, they, they just tell them throughout the game of, you know, what it means to these small towns in Minnesota and all of that. So that, that's my one exception. That, then I do tune in and watch it a little more intently. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, actually, the Olympics was kind of the first time I actually watched some full games it might also be with, with the time change it was kind of during the day I mean it wasn't like uh like in the evening when I was yeah kind of doing other stuff so yeah but uh yeah I, I'll see yeah maybe playoffs something like that but uh yeah definitely more still following the, the Swiss league now a little even more that I'm working for the Swiss players union and, and all that stuff mm-hmm. but uh I always said I'm, I'm also happy that I'm not kind of back in that rhythm where every weekend you're gone, every second night you you kind of have a late nighter somewhere or, or be at the rink and then kind of just yeah enjoying a regular regular life where you uh, yeah get up in the morning with the kids and you have your weekends to to do something with the kids and the families. Yeah, you know it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of fans think you know the, the glamorous lifestyle of a professional athlete, but they don't realize how much it does take away from your family. You know, you're, if you're not on the road, you're at the rink super early because you're, you know, doing your off ice training you have morning skates on the day of a game. If you don't have a game, you know, you're, you're, you're there a lot longer. It's not like you're only working three, four hours in a day. And then, you know, it is what it is, you know, and even if you do get in late, you're not getting up at 7am to help get the kids up on the bus. You know, you, you went to bed three hours ago. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are sacrifices to be made, but at the same time, like once you, you're living a dream, you, you definitely, you definitely, yeah, take those sacrifices and, and, and deal with it. But uh, yeah, now kind of after the career, you also, I really enjoy having weekends and plan weekends or plan like, skiing vacation like last week stuff like i i wasn't be able to do for like 30 years almost playing accounting junior hockey and everything so yeah i mean you you kind of yeah i really enjoy those those little things that uh yeah kind of had to to get yeah back in line when when i was was playing hockey not that i yeah i mean i, I never God, I don't want to be a hockey player anymore because I can't go to skiing vacation, but uh, <laughs> just things that you, you can't do. And uh, at the same time, I still felt like compared to other buddies I have that have like a regular job uh, that are at uh, in the office from like, I don't know, 7 a.m. to like 6 p.m. and then sort of construction and stuff like that. I was still able to see my kids a lot 
Mm -hmm. it was it was never really like yeah it was fewer like vacations or or weekends off or stuff like that but I still had a lot of afternoons where I was able to spend time with the kids and then see them grow up so so I yeah it's definitely not just always um, a negative but uh, yeah I mean it's it's tougher to plan things you can't really plan vacation in advance because you never know when your season's over it's 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 a lot of little things like that which yeah, it's kind of normal when you play, but then once you're you're done with hockey, you go like, oh, it's actually not bad to be able to, <laughs> yeah, meet with friends next weekend, and then you you're on the same schedule, and it's not like, well, I next weekend, ah, not I don't even know where I'm gonna be. Yeah. But, yeah, or or even those times a friend calls you up and you're like, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing nothing. Well, we should go. You know, we should get together. Um, <laughs> there, uh, one of my college teammates, his dad played in the NHL, and you know, he had talked about you know. Yeah, if if we went on vacation, it was in a window of about six weeks in the summertime. There were no winter vacations. There was no sp- a spring ba- uh, spring break vacation for them. Would have been going to see dad on the road, <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly, exactly. or or it was just mom taking them somewhere. Um, you know, th- those are things I think most fans don't think about. Um, you know, but but you had mentioned you know growing up and at what point did you set your sights on the NHL? It was like that, that was the dream you wanted to play in the NHL. Um, you know, when, when did that become the goal? Well, I, I mean, a dream, it was kind of dream, like when I started playing hockey, but it seems so far away. I mean, even back then they wouldn't even show any games on TV or anything. I mean, the first time I actually got real like closer contact with the NHL was when I was playing like the EA Sports NHL game I think it was like 95 so I was already uh, 13 or something when like actual like first time like got to know players that play there and and, and yeah it's, before it seemed really far away and for me it actually to become an actual goal it was like took quite long because yeah I never really played junior national team I never was drafted and and for me that was like for me just to become like professional hockey player in Switzerland was kind of more the goal. And, and even that was kind of quite far away because the, the, the junior team I played with, they had like a B league team, like a second division team. So even if I made that team, I, I couldn't like lift, lift from hockey. So I, I knew like even to yeah advance to that level, I, I mean, was already a dream to me. And then, uh, yeah, I almost kind of came out of nothing. I mean, when I was 18, I had the chance to go, to the the sports sports school uh, sports college in Davos and finish finish my school and and skate with the first team so that was for me the first time that I was actually close I was with the national like uh, a league team and then I even though I was the backup but at least like I made some money not that I could live off <laughs> it but at least I, I felt like I was getting paid for playing hockey so that was already huge for me but that was when I was 18 and I didn't even know if I ever make it as a as a as a starter I was always the backup and even I think in back then we only played 40 games so the the starting goal was pretty much playing all the games so in three years all, all I played was I, I think like 10 minutes I got in the <laughs> end of the game they put me in because we we're up I don't know 10 10 nothing or something like that or 10 one so they put me in and I got 10 minutes to play so even when I was 20 21 I didn't even know if I ever will make it professional even in Switzerland so that sounds like my college career. I was a uh, backup for four years, and it was like, okay, well, let's get them some minutes. We're either getting beat really bad, or you know, we're up a lot. Let, let's throw them in there, throw them a bone, and uh, 
one of my friends used to say I had the fastest door in the league, opening and closing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it was always different because there's always an outside and inside you. Mm-hmm. Like my mom, I mean, she, she was into sports. I mean, she's been a sports teacher. She's been uh, playing uh, basketball in the high Swiss league uh, back in the days. And, and so she, she was always like, yeah, I mean, she knew the sport and then she knew that it wasn't easy to, to even make it to professional. And even she was asking me, dude, I mean, three years ago, you're back up three years later, you're still a backup. Um, do you still think you have a chance? And, and for me, it was different. I felt, even though I was the backup, I always felt that I get closer to the level of the starting goalie and then, and I was still progressing. And so for me, it was just, kind of waiting to get my chance to, to prove that I'm able to. And uh, yeah, that's, that's was, yeah, it's, it was interesting. It always seems to be, yeah, you have always that outside you and the inside you that might be actually quite, quite different. So you're growing up, you're not necessarily at a point where you think, you know, that this might become my career, you know, you had to have been thinking plan B of, you know, what, what, what were you thinking you were going to do with your life had hockey not panned out then? Well, I mean, with, with finishing college in Davos, which was after the third year, I was able, I mean, I was thinking of going to go into university, study something. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was, was into sports. Uh, yeah, it could be, could be something different, but then I had the chance uh to sign in Lausanne which was uh a league team too they they kind of had a, a starter that wasn't playing all the games normally so I had the chance to go there and I figured well uh, yeah I mean uh, I'm gonna make enough money not that I can save money but at least I make enough money to to live off and um, I'll give it another shot and then uh that was the first time I actually gotten to play some some actual games and then and I felt yeah I'm still progressing I'm able to to play in this league and then uh, yeah almost by by accident I ended up back in Davos uh, a season later and uh, that was the the lockout year and I suddenly was the starter we won the Spanish Cup we won the Swiss National or the championship and and yeah and then it wasn't almost wasn't a question anymore but yeah it's yeah. changed so quick from <laughs> being like a backup that play, didn't play a single minute the whole season and two seasons later you you yeah lead the team all the way through the playoffs and and, and win the cups so. and, and catch some eyes in doing so and it's funny on how you know it's just some little segment of time you can just play in front of the right people in the right tournaments and stuff and how it changes everything so that does change things you catch some eyes you wind up in North America, playing in the NHL, and even before we talk about that, you know, what was that culture shock like of moving across the pond, as they like to say, into this whole new culture? Yeah, I mean, so as I said, I was uh, back in Davos, I think it was 2004, 2005, I guess. Is that the lockout year? I think so. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so yeah, so, and even after that year, like everybody asked me, why were you never drafted? Uh, what happened? Why didn't you play in North America? And I already had some, some teams interested in signing me. But I said, well, I, I mean, for me, it kind of came, well, not out of nowhere, but I said, well, I first want to prove, prove that I'm capable of playing multiple seasons in Switzerland. So I, I decided to, yeah, I, I played another two years in Davos and then my third year pretty much before the year I said well my goal is to to go to North America at least 
to to a foreign country if it wouldn't be north america it would be a scandinavian country or something to do something new to to yeah to develop further where where i felt like yeah especially third uh, my third year so it was the sixth year total in davos we won the spangle cup again we won the championship again and then so yeah and then with that when yeah there were a lot was a lot of interest from from multiple teams and then i had a little the advantage of being a free agent and kind of cherry picking where i wanted to go i mean it wasn't anaheim because of the beach it was mainly anaheim because of the francois Lair being the goalie coach who i knew from his uh, stages in, in switzerland his camps he was doing in the summer and uh yeah but for me it was was super excited on the one hand but on the other hand once you got in on that plane and you you landed at lax and then and, and yeah everything was so much bigger and then you were suddenly like not the guy or the goalie who just led the team to a championship you one of i don't know six or eight goalies we had in camp and then mm-hmm. you like yes in in the yeah huge uh, yeah coming from Davos which is almost like a little village you like yeah in, in Los Angeles and then you you kind of can't get anywhere and then trying to figure out where where to go and what's going on so it was definitely a culture shock and then yeah it was yeah there were there were times where I go what what the heck am I doing here like I could have signed with any team in Switzerland everybody would just uh, roll out the red carpet for me and then here I'm and at the same time, for me, it was always like I was always looking forward to to the next step. What, how can I, how can I, advance how to get better? And for me, it was the the logical step to to kind of yeah keep keep improving and and, and and go further. And you know, you were able to stick around for a while. You you spent what was it like nine years, over four hundred games in the NHL. So you you clearly we're able to prove yourself. Uh, that's for sure. Um, I, I think when goalies think of you and your time in the NHL, they think of your style, you know, you had mentioned the gear being part of it, you know, and the thing that sticks out to me most about you is your cage. Uh, your cat eye cage is not your typical cat eye cage. What, what's the story behind that one? Well, I mean, I, I was, yeah, I, I was always in, into, yeah, working on my gear. And then once I found something, I, it was so tough to get me off any new stuff. So that was, I, well, I was, I was always playing the Coho gear, which, uh, yeah, even though LeFave uh, kind of didn't want to make them for me anymore. And for, for some reason, I could always convince him to keep, <laughs> keep making the same stuff because I was so used. And every time I tried something new, I, I it, it didn't, I didn't feel like it would, it fits my style the way the way I, I want mm-hmm. it to to feel, especially on the pads and um, yes, yeah, similar with, with the cat eye. Uh, well, I mean, I, I got to say, I, I stole the idea from from uh, Tim Thomas, so he he kind of had that cage or a similar cage where I just always felt like kind of looking from with, with my eyes from from looking through the the cat eye to look down for rebounds mm-hmm. and then kind of I, I felt there were too many bars in the way because you have have almost three bars and they're not even straight they're kind of curved so depending where the puck is like it for me it always felt just to do or it seemed to hide behind one of the bars and kind of taking those away and then and, and kind of make it yeah straighter bars where where i really knew uh yeah where the bars were to to and where i can look through so i felt like it was just uh, easier for me to kind of switch between looking through the actual cat eye and then kind of looking down to to see the rebound and then everything in tight 
Did, did you ever try what, you know, a lot of folks over here in North America call the Beaupre cage, which is kind of similar to that Tim Thomas, but uh, what Don Beaupre wore on his mask and a couple others, you know, where it's, you know, wider openings, but still a straighter bar. Did you ever give that a go? No, I never. I mean, I don't know. I never really liked the look of it. So I was a little picky there too. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, it's got to uh, look yeah. good and be functional. Yeah, no, the, yeah. so <laughs> no, I, I mean, I never had issues with, with the top part of the catalog. It was more like just kind of going like, yeah, looking down. And I felt like, I, well, I want to get some bars out of the way and still feel protected. And then with that cage, I felt... I felt I was able to to achieve that, and uh, I think at least in Switzerland there are still some guys playing with with the same cage. So yeah, and you know, I as a beer leaguer, I, I know more and more beer leaguers are starting to look at that cage too. Um, and I think half the time it's just because they want to be different out there. But uh, me, I, I I looked at it when I bought my last mask. I was kind of looking at my options for a cage like that for the reasons you were talking better vision but i went from the old grid cage to a cat eye so just going to a cat eye gave me better vision yeah, uh so right. it's like all right it's already an upgrade i'm only playing in the beer leagues i, I don't need to worry about it too much um now, now you mentioned working with uh lefave and, and the coho you were able to keep that coho brand alive for a little bit longer and i i liked it because i had cohos in high school they were a fantastic pad. I had that teardrop pad that Patrick Waugh had. It was a great pad. Um, you know, and not only that, but you always had different graphics than everybody else. You know, w- were you able to kind of work with uh, the folks over at Lefebvre as they were doing the graphics? Or do you have those ideas in mind? Like, no, I, I think this will be what I want. Um, it, w- it was interesting because, well, the, the, the only reason I was able, well, I think, I guess the main reason I was able to, to keep Coho alive for that long was that the hockey monkey bought the right of the brand Coho from Lefebvre back then. And uh, they kind of wanted just to do some intermediate paths for, yeah, just because, yeah, they liked the brand and it was, it was, it was a known name. And with, yeah, I think uh, being sold to Reebok and then CCM or whatever, they felt like, yeah, it was cool. And then, so I show up with my old pads from the previous year because, uh, yeah, I couldn't get along with, 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 with the newer CCM, like the stiffer style. I never really felt I was able to control the rebounds I wanted. Mm-hmm. They just pop up somewhere. So I, I kept playing those pads and then LaFace say, yeah, we'll make you another set for, for the first year. And then uh, you can try over the summer, another pair. And I, I, I go like, yeah, I, I can't get used to it. And then uh, I think uh, the actual, the key thing was, I guess it was the Olympics in 2010, I guess. I think that was my second year over there. So uh, yeah, I was I was still playing those calls, and they wanted to get me out of them. And 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 then uh, yeah, we did well. I played well and everything. So it, it kind of yeah, it was it was easier for me to negotiate that they would <laughs> actually make me another pet the, exactly the way I want. So I had the, like a development where I I got the flatter out uh, outside rolls from like the regular model on on the old older mm-hmm. pads some other adjustments and then yeah i was pretty much able to to say how i want the pad and then the, the question was about the graphics and I, I go like well i don't know and then yeah i, I think actually some of the guys at, at the goalie monkey or hockey monkey they were super excited that uh yeah <laughs> they would uh, come up with drawings for me and then they they created a whole uh 
what do you call it? Like uh, where you can, I, I could pick colors oh, and then yeah. pretty much put my, my own customizers. So I could put my own graphics together and whatever. And then that was the first one. And they go like, yeah, let's do a really the, like the old school, like Patrick Roy, the first one, first cohort. And they go, yeah, that, that sounds great. So we did that. But the pad was always the same. It was just different graphics. And then, uh, yeah, we played around with it. And we had some, yeah, some, some cool projects with, with, uh, the uh stadium series with the all orange gear and then uh there was the the mighty ducks game where we had like the yeah. the old uh teal color yeah those gear were great and all, all, all those stuff so uh yeah it was always I, i'd love to play around and then kind of try different stuff and then and yeah look a little different or i don't know I mean, yeah I, I, if you don't like designing equipment that even if you're not going to buy it are you really a goalie because I, I know every time uh brand comes out with their new series uh on the customizer every goalie i know spends the next day at work just messing around playing with colors seeing what they like and knowing they're never going to order a pair but it's like that's what we do the nhl season has been packed with dirty dangles hat tricks and big wins as the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big, too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I spent time and then, then, yeah, I had some random people sending me a proposition, like how my next gear should look like. And then <laughs> stuff. yeah, I, I thought it was, it was cool. And sometimes, uh, yeah, it was, it was me. Uh, yeah, I guess I always had the last word about it, but, uh, yeah, I, I was really open. I, I was never really like, yeah, I can only wear white pads or I only can wear dark pads or whatever for me it was, uh, yeah, it w- was more like, as long as my pad is still the same, it feels the same. I, don't really care the only the only thing i never really like to have the the outside of the pad in a dark color because i felt like it was tougher for me to see the rebound once they sit on top of the pad Mm -hmm. but everything else i yeah i wasn't too picky about colors yeah i i I like when goalies use some uh some color in their pad so it actually matches their uniform when when they go with that mostly white i just think Mm -hmm. it's like it's a little boring and yours were never boring. That's for sure. No, definitely not. You know, and neither were your masks. Your masks were always, in my opinion, not overly done. It, you know, some of them you had, you know, you had the black mask there for a while and it, but it fit perfectly uh, with the style you had going on. Did you have much say in the design of your mask, the painting side of it, yeah. or uh, was that just kind of, given the, the painter a few ideas and, and they created it 
Well, I mean, uh, it kind of started because my painter said, like, he, he'll never do the, the same mask twice. Mm -hmm. So pretty early, I go figure, well, if I want him to paint it, then I have to come up with new designs pretty much every <laughs> year. And then I thought, well, it's actually cool. So you, you, you really think about it. You don't have, I mean, I had some things that kind of, yeah, are on a couple of my masks, like my, uh, my Zodiac sign, the Aquarius. I, I have a couple of masks. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was always different. Like sometimes I had some ideas what I wanted to have on my mask. And then uh, the, the painter came up with, with new ideas. Um, yeah, I also switched painters a couple of times. And then there were always new ideas. But yeah, I, I, normally I still had a say in it. And the whole story with the black mask, that actually kind of happened by accident <laughs> because uh, I got like a new prototype. We made a new shell. And because I really needed it for camp so they just sent it to me and it, you didn't count the, the carbon fiber wasn't like super clean coming out so they pretty much just painted it black yeah and said, well yeah just try it if you like it and we make your next one and then uh i played the black mask and everybody like even referees came up to me oh this mask looks awesome and <laughs> looks really cool you're gonna keep it for the whole year and then like that was the kind of the only reason i i, I even <laughs> thought about it and yeah it seemed like it was was just a little before the time where it seems like everywhere was that flat flat black yeah football helmets and whatever but yeah no so and then uh yeah it, it seemed like yeah a couple of times i gotten back to it also have one in, in calgary where it was pretty much all black and having mm -hmm. like a shiny shiny flames logo on it and, and stuff like that so yeah even there I, i'd like to yeah play around with different ideas and different different designs no you know you're playing in anaheim which good hockey market but it's more of a casual fan. And then you go to Calgary and there are a whole different beast up there. Like they live and die by the flames. You know, that had to have been quite the uh, shock at the same time, you know, where Anaheim, you can walk the street and most people aren't going to recognize you, but up in Calgary, not the case. Yeah, it was definitely a little different. Uh, and uh, yeah, what, what, what I felt, it was always like the fans were always really positive about hockey mm -hmm. where, yeah, you hear those stories from Montreal and they're like uh, newspapers kind of ripped the, the players apart and from the media, but also from the fans, it was, it was, it seemed always really positive. And also, yeah, sure. You get recognized and then, but people normally say, Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. You guys doing great. And, and that mm -hmm. was kind of it. So it wasn't like annoying or anything. So, and, and, I feel like people were also really knowledgeable about hockey. So right. it wasn't like, well, uh, do you work anything else aside of that? Or <laughs> you like, there weren't like stupid questions like that. So it was like, yeah, pretty cool. And actually like, yeah, I really liked being even Calgary as a city and everything. It was, it was good size. It's, it's it reminded me definitely a little more of, of Europe, especially compared to California. And then, yeah, no, I had the, definitely a great time there and uh yeah i mean the sec second season was a little tougher but first year we had a really successful year and uh yeah no for me it was was yeah i really enjoyed also kind of see seeing that part also fan ba fan base wise and then kind of yeah playing on on a canadian team that first year in february and you walk out to your car to go to the rink, there had been part of you that was like, you know what? I maybe should have re-signed in Anaheim. <laughs> because yeah, you went but... from the ideal weather situation to 
Calgary in the winter. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it was like it's it was almost like California because it was sunny. It's, it seems to be sunny every time in Calgary. Like you barely mm-hmm. ever have like cloudy days. Yeah, it might be might be cold and, and freezing, but then yeah, like you you're at the ring, so you're playing hockey on the right. ice surface. So you you yeah. If, I thought for me it would be more of an issue, but actually just having the nice weather and, and having the sun out, it just never felt that cold, even if it was minus uh, 15 Celsius. Uh, uh, with the sun out, it, wasn't, wasn't, it didn't feel that bad or, or anything. I actually even rode the bike to the rink, even in the <laughs> wintertime. So yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I dealt with it. And for me, it always reminded me a little bit of Davos, which was similar. Like it was... It was a skiing resort, so it was always cold in the winter. You had a lot yeah. of snow, and then. But the great part about it is, like everybody else sitting in the fog somewhere down uh, in the cities in Zurich or whatever, and we always had the, the beautiful sunny weather. And uh, yeah, so that was that's kind of what we even Calgary reminded of. So it wasn't as bad as I thought in the, at the first place because yeah, I didn't know Calgary that much before. Yeah, from playing on the road, but uh, yeah, you never really feel the city the same way than you actually live there. Yeah, makes sense. Um, now, you mentioned the uh, Stadium Series game. That was at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I, I think when the NHL said they were going to play a hockey game at Dodger Stadium, a lot of people are like, really? It's going to be a little warm. But it, it, they pulled it off. You know, what was that experience like playing in that that game, you know, in one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest baseball stadiums still around? I mean, it was even, yeah, I mean, for us, even when they even be, they talked about it, you could like, well, really outside and how would they want to do it? And if the ice surface and is it going to, and, but for me, I, I, yeah, I mean, well, I, I was a little worried first time we skated there because that was, I think in the afternoon. So the sun was out and mm-hmm. I think LA just skated before us and had, they had their regular pre or uh, warm up skate the day before the game. And then, uh, they were skating with the family, so you had the dad, and then we were on the ice, and then we skated with the family. So the ice got really soft and kind of pretty bad. I go, like, yeah, I don't know if, if that's going to be a good game. And then, but on game day, so nobody really skated, and we didn't even have a morning skate or anything. And then, uh, yeah, once the sun went down, because uh, yeah, it was I think a seven p.m. game or something like that. So it was actually pretty good, and I didn't have any issues also with with the ice actually felt pretty good and uh no i I feel for me i was it was unbelievable i mean it wasn't i mean you have better atmosphere at rings because it's enclosed but just kind of looking up and then it seems like god people are so far up like you can barely see him but you know (laughs) there's somebody there and then coming to watch you you play i mean it was was pretty amazing feeling and yeah i mean for me having a shutout and and everything was, was was super cool and uh yeah no that was was definitely uh, an experience i'll never forget now they had the winter classic here in minnesota that, you know this year and i i thought about buying tickets but it's like you know january 1 in minnesota is typically not a warm day and boy am i glad i chose to watch that game from home that day with it it was what negative 20 below fahrenheit um that day and they they just had the one in nashville last week and i texted Kane van gate because he was in town for the one here and I said, Kane, you realize it's 60 degrees warmer in Nashville for this game than the Minnesota one. And and it it was still cold on Nashville terms too, but it was just, you know, that's how cold that one was. 
Um, so I want to be mindful of time. Uh, I, I got a list of 10 rapid fire questions. I, I pause there because they, they tend to bring up more stories and don't go yeah, that, that God, quick. God. <laughs> um, but they're the same questions I've asked every single guest from high school kids I've had on the podcast to guys like Kelly Rudy and Ed Belfour. So it's kind of fun to hear everybody's answer to the same question. And the first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? Um, it's going to be one of the times of Arnold Court in Davos. I mean, I've seen him breaking fridges with his bare hand because he was <laughs> mad at the play when we were watching TV. So stuff like that. That's probably, yeah, must, must be, yeah. So, yeah. That's funny. Uh, what is your favorite all-time goalie mask? You know, the design of a goalie's mask that you've, uh, seen or like. Um, for me, definitely growing up was always the Kucho mask. So I think one of my first masks, even in Davos, or at least in Harry's, when I played junior, was was the same design because I, I thought it was so cool and kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was intimidating. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite rink that you played at? Um, say, well, I guess the, the unforgettable one is this, the, the stadium series play a Dodger stadium I think uh, yeah even though it's not really a rink but that's yeah, yeah it's once in a lifetime it, thing I guess it was a rink for that day it was definitely <laughs> there were there was ice there was a game so yeah there was yeah a rink. <laughs> hey th- there was just ice that's all that matters yeah, right yeah exactly uh you give give us ice and hockey players will will show up um what's your favorite stick that you've ever used favorite stick I don't know tough to say i was never really picky about my sticks i don't know yeah i mean uh, the only thing i can say i i kind of stuck with with the regular well whatever foam core sticks i never really gotten into the five carbon fiber ones but yeah so i was gonna yeah. ask that because we're the same age and i still am using foam core sticks are getting harder to find but <laughs> I, I just I don't know. The, I, I don't like the composite sticks for some reason. Yeah, yeah no, I know. I tried one of the early ones and I was always breaking the knob and then I go like, well, it's so expensive and I can't really see the advantage. It's not like I was the big stick handler or it was that much lighter because I felt if, if it would, if it has to last, it has to be as heavy as, as a regular foam core stick. And I also felt like it was just harder on, on my joints. Like there was more at a vibration or you could feel mm-hmm. the puck more so yeah i always stuck and then yeah but I, I bet it's probably i mean i'm still coaching uh some junior goalies here in in burn uh, every second week and uh, even those like the kids there's nobody everybody's on carbon but fiber sticks and go like well this this must cost a fortune and uh yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know but, that's yeah. one of the other reasons i haven't gone with those because i'm cheap and i'm like <laughs> I, I can buy three foam cores for the price of that stick you know yeah, you know, no, no, yeah, definitely. And I, I always felt bad. I mean, yeah, for me, mine wasn't the issue. His team would buy him, but I still felt like, well, I don't know. Then you get take one shot off the knob and you, you break the knob. And then, yeah, it was more lazy and say, oh, then I have to tape another brand new stick because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I took a shot off the knob. So I'll rather put some clear tape over my uh, form core wood one. And then uh, I'll, I'll do another two practices with that before I yeah. change it. You know, and I, I know for me, I think those composites are almost too light for me because when we grew up, sticks were heavy, you know, so we got used to some heft in our hand and 
I almost feel like the composites are so light. I can't tell if I've got the darn thing on the ice all the way. It just, to me, it's too light. Um, but I, I know I'm, I'm in the minority in that one. Uh, so the next question, what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Um, well, I guess PV tournaments, one of the one that stands out, even though when I was, we weren't too successful, but just, yeah, I think that was in 96. I was at, yeah, at 14. Yeah. You're able to go to, to Canada and, and play hockey and uh, yeah, the big rings or in a big rink and all that. That was, yeah, something, definitely something special. Yeah. Uh, the folks I've talked to that have gotten to go to that peewee tournament, they all say the same thing. It's just yeah. unreal. Uh, so what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? Uh, best chirp. Hmm. I don't even know. I, I think it was funny. Well, guys in Beale always, always tell me that. I don't, I don't even remember it that clear, but they always go, yeah, I think it was one of my first season back in, in Beale. So one of the guys in in burn he was chirping at me for some reason and i go and i only said like should i buy you out of your contract <laughs> like i never heard anything from him anymore <laughs> now, so, yeah. you bring up something i i had wanted to ask about but forgot to is you play quite a while in the nhl and a lot of european goalies would go okay that, that that was a nice career. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to retire now and have some fun with the family and go on ski trips and coach. But you just, you didn't do that. You, you still had some fight left and you, you wanted to keep playing and you went home and played. Um, you know, what was the decision behind that rather than trying to stay here in the NHL and, you know, maybe be that backup or, you know, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, after that second year in Calgary where I didn't play a lot and didn't play really well, and yeah, there was a lot, a lot of things not going my way, but I always felt like it wasn't really me. It was just a circumstance that mm-hmm. like wouldn't let me play at my level that I actually expect from myself. And so for me, it was clear I'm, I'm not at the point where I want to retire. I kind of want to retire on a high and not on a, on a low. And uh yeah, I mean, there were different options. I mean, uh, even like that second year, I was kind of hoping for a trade at the deadline. And then I, I had actually some some good hopes. So it didn't go through and or didn't happen. And then, yeah, and then for me, it was like, yeah, at that age, I think my daughter was just born. So she was at the age of two. And, and it was really like the questions, what what would I want to do? Or where, where do I feel like I, I have most fun, kind of not just hockey, but with, with the whole life and, kind of having imagining at so I was already what that was in 2016 so it was already 34 is so at the age of 34 I go like do I really want to play somewhere in the minors maybe if if I don't make it as a backup and then and kind of or do I want to have kind of the, the security and then kind of getting a chance to actually play in front of the kind of home crowd in Switzerland again yeah and, uh, for me, it's just the, the whole thing. It, I mean, I go, like, I always said, like, if, if 10 years before that, somebody would tell me the next nine years you play in the NHL, I would sign it right away and th- wouldn't even think about it. And even then, like, I go, like, yeah, no, for me, it's, I need, I need some, some new adventure. I need something new, uh, change of scenery. And then, yeah, for me, it was, uh, yeah, definitely a decision. I, I never really regretted, even though 
I guess in my dream, I would be probably retiring in the NHL and then I don't play, I don't know how play how many seasons there. But uh, for me, like, yeah, I, I always, I was always one of the guys who tried to make the best out of the current situation and not think too much about and if and what. So, uh, and for me, it was, was the best decision I could make at that point, not just hockey wise, but also for, for the family too. And then I got, or I learned also in Calgary in that second year that, yeah, having 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 that help at home or that things that get you off hockey and then being able to to find energy again and then it's it's at least as important and um, yeah having kids uh, kind of even even kind of brought it out even more. Well, and yours are at that age where you come home and they're still really excited to see you. And I don't care what kind of day you have at work, you come home to that and it just changes everything. Yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, sometimes it, it also made me like, they were like, do I really want to go? I, I'd rather stay at home yeah, and go yep. to the ring. So it was also, yeah. so that part where before hockey was always kind of uh, the center of my interest. And then, yeah, but uh, yeah, you definitely look, start looking at things a little differently also about losing and winning. It's, it's, it gets a little less important. It's, it's more about like, yeah, having the kids happy and being healthy and, and yeah, yeah, just happy that you're home. See, now my kids, my daughter just turned 15 and my son will be 14 here uh, in June. And I think when I walk through the door, they're like, oh, you're home now. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it changes quick. Yeah, may- maybe I'll put a few more hours in at the computer tonight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, well, while you're home already, stay at the rink or go. go, go yeah. But, Although it is funny. My son will come to my beer league games every now and then. And I swear he just comes so that he can chirp me. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, so what's the worst post-game beer you've had? Well, I can't can't really say because I I I don't drink at all, so I oh okay I don't even think uh, yeah I never really had a beer after games, so I can't can't even so tell you. knowing that I'll I'll change it to uh, the way I ask uh, youth hockey players the question or those that uh, the college hockey players who technically shouldn't be drinking yet. Uh, yeah. What's what's the worst beverage after a game? Oh. Um, trying to think. I wouldn't even know. Huh? <laughs> Tough one. Where's Barry? Yeah, I wasn't. Was, after games, I wasn't too picky. I, I just know during the games, I couldn't drink anything that had uh, bubbles in it because it was always, it would always like make me burp or anything but yeah. uh yeah but after post games I'm, i ain't too picky so i whenever i've had something carbonated before a game and during warm-ups i'm just belching and my teammates are like jesus so it's like well i gotta get out of my system before it distracts me in the game Amen. although <laughs> i forget what we had for dinner in my uh fall men's league season we made it to the championship game and i I don't know what I ate, but it, it was not settling well with my stomach to the point where one of my teammates came around the net toward the end of the period. He goes, Jesus, is that you making that smell? And I go, yep, it's me. <laughs> He's like, man. Um, just a few questions left. When you taped your stick, did you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Uh, heel to toe. Okay. You're like most goalies. <laughs> um 
What was I also all, I also always needed the one strap that's still on the shaft, like yeah. still on the lower part. I don't know why, but I that's why how I tape my sticks. It didn't make sense. I think on the early ones they said it wouldn't like break that easy or yes. like parts wouldn't break off. But if the if the foam core, you probably wouldn't need it. But I, I still do I was that. used to. It. And I've had discussions with you know goalies my age and older, and you know I, I think part of it was those old true wood sticks that were all wood they were like sponges and that heel would just absorb that you know the snow and the ice and everything to where it would almost start to come apart where if, if you taped it real good it kind of created a barrier and helped preserve yeah. that stick a little bit so I, I think that's why you know us older goalies anyway do that because yeah a lot of the younger kids that if they're even putting tape on their sticks say, yeah. <laughs> they're they're not going that far um, so what would, what's your favorite number to wear and why? Well, it's been always the number one and I don't, I don't even know. I, I think I picked it because it seemed like at the age when I was able to pick my own number, it seemed all the goalies had the, everything else than the number one. So I figured, well, I pick one. So I always yep. keep my number and I don't have to get, hand it to somebody else. And <laughs> then like, even the NHL when I were like it seemed like barely any goalies were wearing the number one so I never had any discussion about if I was able to to keep my number or I had to to switch so yeah yeah and you know I, I've thought and about it that. makes it, it makes it easy if you sign and, and put your number there too so it, it makes your signature a little faster I, I know people ask you why don't you put your number in you go like well there there's this there's a number there. one in the bag can you, can you yeah do, oh, okay. do you want me to you know put a little accent to it or what uh yeah. I, i've thought about that why we don't see as many uh goalies you know starting goalies wearing number one you'll see a lot of the backups that are only there for a year or two where the equipment manager gives it to them but when you look at the older teams the goalies were number one and you go to these rinks and that number's up in the rafters. It's not an option anymore. So kids, young goalies aren't seeing that many of the pro goalies wearing number one. So to them, it doesn't click as that goalie number anymore. Like it did for us. Um, So my last question, what advice do you have for young goalies? Um, Yeah. I think believe in yourself and, and and don't let people tell you what you can't do. Just uh, yeah, try it, try it, try it, try it. Yeah, you can't lose it. Just try it and have fun with it. So. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a, a quote that um, Jim Carrey, the comedian, was telling at a commencement mm-hmm. speech. He said he's seen so many people fail at things they don't like. So why not try and fail at something you love? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, if you always, yeah, if everybody tells you, yeah, you can't do that. And are you sure you can do that? And then you start questioning yourself. And I mean, yeah, you'll find out yourself if you can, but if you don't try, you'll never find out. Yeah. And you know, it, you still might have fun along the way if, if you don't do well. Yeah. Um, well, Jonas, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your evening to, to chat. It's been fun. Uh, as, as I tell everybody have on the show, if your travels bring you through the Twin Cities, uh, let me know and I'll buy you uh, a uh, drink. Sounds good. Can't be uh, beer, but uh, no, yeah. <laughs> find no. something out there. Hey, hey there, there's plenty so, yeah. of good options out there, yeah. especially yeah. here. <laughs> so uh, yeah. no, yeah, we might. Well, still, it's one one of the things on our bucket list to kind of 
travel for for some longer period of time also with the family one of the things i couldn't do because of hockey yeah so we want to do it like my first year after after my career but with covid uh, traveling wasn't really uh wasn't really uh, up there or possible so we hope we can kind of do that in in 2022 so this year so north america might be an option because even though i've been there for nine years i'm mainly seeing airports rinks and hotels uh I, I know there's plenty of other things to see. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would definitely let you know if you do. Awesome. And it's funny you say that. I've got a friend who's a pilot and he flies all over the country. And I was like, well, have you been here? He's like, I've been to the airport and the hotel in all of those cities. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I can tell you what it looks like from above. But, you know, <laughs> as far as going to the, the tourist attractions, nope, haven't been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So kind of feel the, feel the same. I mean, yeah, you have certain cities where you spend spend an extra day and you get the chance to to do something. But normally it's like on back to back games and then you're happy. You can just sit in your hotel room and watch some TV and don't have to. But yeah. So. Yeah. And, and if you're visiting someplace, it's it's a restaurant. It's not the tourist yeah, well, attractions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Well, again, thank you. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Sounds good. All Appreciate right. it. What an awesome conversation with Jonas. It took some coordinating to line up this episode with my original emails to him being funneled into his spam folder, but somehow he still stumbled across them. Then when we lined up a date to record, the meeting reminder didn't go off, but we still found time to connect later that day. I want to thank Jonas for his time and being flexible as we ran into these roadblocks. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Red, Red Wings Rant, the Grind Line, and... The Rig Rat podcast can all be found. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream your music from. As always, I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.
Get the 